Hello and welcome to Cruisin' for a Reviewsin', the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I'm joined by my friend, Cam. Hi, Cara. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I put on a face mask and watched Minority Report for the first time this morning, so my pores are open and I am excited to talk about this movie. Fuck yeah. Awesome. So yeah, we're doing Minority Report. I'm shocked that you haven't seen this movie. I am too. I mean, as you know, I'm a huge nerd, so I really should have seen this movie by now, but I think it had been around in the zeitgeist for so much and I'd heard so many people talk about it and seen so many clips and stuff. I think I just felt like I had seen it for a really long time. I know I didn't see it when it came out. It wasn't until I saw you asking about it that I kind of stopped and went, actually, I couldn't tell you how that movie ends. I just know that there's psychics and they put their psychic predictions on balls and then Tom Cruise gets in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. And yeah, as I was watching it, I went, no, I definitely haven't seen this. It actually, you know, surprised me in a few moments. And yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about it because I had a lot of fun. Awesome. I was going to ask how, like, first thoughts on what you thought about the movie. Sillier than I expected. Oh. Hearing, or, you know, Knowing it was from a Philip K. Dick story, he takes himself quite seriously. Mm. I expected it to be a bit more hard sci-fi, and I mean it is pretty hard sci-fi, but it had more moments of silliness and levity that I kind of expected. Yeah, I guess would that be the Spielberg? Yeah, touch that's to it? that's yeah. definitely the Spielberginess of it all. Oh yeah, directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, obviously starring Tom Cruise. Uh, it was from a very short amount of time where they worked together on a couple of sci-fi films, and then Tom Cruise's I don't know public displays of affection for Katie Holmes and whatnot. <laughs> kinda, the couch incident. Yeah. <laughs> The couch and then the leaked Scientology video kind of put Steven Spielberg off. I heard, I remember reading something that he kind of blamed Tom on why War of the Worlds didn't do ah, super well. But Tom Cruise kind of poisoned the well with his yeah, presence. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think maybe Spielberg. You can't make perfect films every single time. Like, And sometimes the audience don't want to pick up what you're putting down. Yeah, I mean, the timeline of that I think definitely plays out. That was when Tom Cruise was at his kind of most publicly insane. Yeah. Before he kind of learned, well, before he got put in charge of everything at Scientology and had to rein it in a bit, I guess, and go a bit more under the radar. But it was also he had fired his PR agent and then hired his sister and another family member to do PR for him. That always works out great, hiring yep. family. Yep, and they're like, Scientology, keep talking about that. And he did, and then, <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, probably. Maybe Tim Spielberg's right. Who knows? But anyway, um, Minority Report, it didn't do super, super well. It like I looked at the budget versus the takings and it was like 130 million versus 350 or something. Yeah, I mean, it's a very good movie and I've only ever heard it talked about positively, mm. but I can also see how it might not be a huge box office thing. I think the people made most of their money back on Blu-ray, DVD. Yeah, I can later. see it being more successful afterwards and mm. kind of weirdly maybe more of a cult sleeper hit than yeah. something that exploded onto the scene. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing it at the movies and I was just like, fuck it, this movie rules. Like back when I didn't like Tom Cruise and I'm like, no, this movie, because as soon as Spielberg does a movie, especially a sci-fi action kind of movie, I'm like, I'm there. I don't care yeah. who's in it. But yeah, it didn't do super well, but it sort of, yeah, has a little bit of a culty, not culty, but you know, like, yeah, big thing. Uh, Definitely has a solid fan base and has inspired a lot of people and still gets referenced and looked to a lot yeah. in my experience. That's why I felt like I'd seen it already. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like, um, I, was, I said I wasn't going to bring this 
up, but I'm going to. I'm obsessed with a comedy group called Auntie Donna, which I've mentioned on another previous podcast. (laughs) And they did a whole episode where they reimagined this story, but much ruder involving cum. And it is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And (laughs) and, and it was also very funny because one of the members did not actually know, had not seen Minority Report and didn't understand, but the other two were like really passionate about it. So they were trying to do their own version of the script. And it was, anyway, it was hilarious. I mean, South Park did an episode based on it as well. Yeah, I think. it's a lot. It's shown it, up as a lot. It's really kind of become a cultural touchstone that yeah. people refer to. And fun little facts. Like I was looking at a lot of facts about this movie. Some of the technology. So Steven Spielberg decided, I want this movie to look like a realistic depiction of the future. So it's set in 2054. And he didn't want it to be like a lot of sci-fi where it dates really easily. It's ridiculous. Like it's things that would never come true. Yeah. So he actually got all these experts in different fields who could, you know, project what they think things would be like in the future. And they did like this big three-day think tank and they worked out what they believe the future would be like and that's what he based the movie around. I have a sickening feeling like a young Elon Musk was on that panel. Oh, he wasn't, but <laughs> I bet he wished he was. <laughs> yeah, so-called futurists. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's kind of, that does show through because it doesn't feel dated or tacky mm. or like Jetsons-y at all. And a lot of the technology, like the touchscreen stuff. Yeah, it, it holds into. up and it kind of, they were fairly bang on. The only mm. things that were dramatically different from our world now with things like transportation, the automated cars, which yep. is slowly starting to come into things, and the way they fight crime. And Nokia was a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, who? And also the there's a bit with the newspaper that changes, which yes. is like no one no one uses them anymore. Just, yeah. use I like that. They're, they're carrying full broadsheet newspapers yeah. that are holograms. And also um, Cops is still on TV, but yeah. I'm pretty sure that got killed it, after um, the Black Lives Matter stuff. I think so, but I think I also heard that they were going to bring it back again. Okay. It was like a band-aid thing. They're like, oh, we'll stop it. But they're like, oh, but will we? He makes us so much money. So yeah, mm. I was going to look into that because I'm like <laughs> cops, but like imagining that cops would still exist in that many years in the future. I, I get it. Yeah. It's been around long enough now. Why would it not continue? Okay. Also, the only actual bit of trivia I have about this movie that I found out afterwards because we delayed a little bit. So I had some time to bum around on the internet. Just seeing as you brought up the newspapers on the train, mm. I mean, on the bus, because I'm an incredibly vain person, mm. all my spidey senses went off and I, my, cam detector went off and in that shot the guy holding that paper in that shot there are Hollywood's two biggest Camerons yep you have Cameron Crowe holding the newspaper <laughs> and Cameron Diaz sitting in the seat behind him I know I looked that up shot. and I watched it in the movie and I was like the fuck like I'd never I'd never noticed it before and I don't know why you just like they could they were just a, this is destiny yeah <laughs> it was oh, that's amazing okay well we've talked a lot about the movie without actually getting into the movie so uh, let's get into it we'll go through actually we'll talk about the who's in it quickly so obviously Tom Cruise mm-hmm. isn't it he plays John Anderton uh, the next biggest star who is also someone I have a mad crush on is Danny Whitwer who is played by Colin Farrell baby he's Colin Farrell very young he's only 20 like 25 years old in this mm. you, which you can tell he's and, so clean Yeah. apparently he was hung over throughout most of it makes like, sense <laughs> I think he's, yeah, he celebrated his 25th birthday while I was filming and one day like after his 25th he was so he was still drunk and came on set but it, you can't tell it's crazy because I was going to say it's like the most showered and well groom yeah. I think I've ever seen in. No, no, he probably stunk so bad. Um, we have uh, Samantha Morton plays Agatha, who is one of the precogs who we'll get to soon. Then there's the head of the pre-crime division, which is Lamar Burgess, played by Max von Sydow. A few other characters, we'll probably just, I'll mention who they are as we go along. So, to set the scene, we open with a, like a flashback style scene of a murder. Uh, a man is killing what appears to be his wife with a pair of scissors. It's mm-hmm. very violent, but it's also not chronological 
bullets or... Yeah, we just kind of see broken up fragments of this murder occurring. Yeah, it looks like a dream sort of sequence, which we find out it is. We sort of pull out from this girl who's lying in some sort of water who just says the word murder and... If I may correct you, it's not water. I heard it. It's called photon milk. <laughs> Yuck. But it looks like water at first. It looks, it's like this weird, clearish substance, but yuck. It's photon, photon milk and it conducts electrolytes. <laughs> the fucking buzzwords that no one actually uses. There's uh, a lot of that in this movie. <laughs> a lot of nonsense. And that's our introduction to precogs and pre-crime. We're introduced to John Anderton, played by Tom Cruise, uh, walking through a very bright modern workplace. 2054, it's pre-crime. Uh, this movie's mostly set in Washington, D.C., which we don't see a lot of in movies. Yeah, no, no not usually. So there's there's three precogs. They're in the photon milk. Oh, gross, I hate it. <laughs> we find out later, but there's two twins. The two male ones are twins, and there's Agatha, who is the best of them. Yeah, she's identified. And they even kind of hint at it there in the beginning where they say Agatha's locked on to a time. The other two just have vague flashes. Yeah. And so they sort of indicate that she's the better of the three. Yeah, she's the strongest. Has yeah. the strongest. So basically, precog is short for precognitive. So basically, that's right, isn't it? That's yeah. the word. You see the future. Yeah, you see the. Basically, they see the future. They kind of explain why they only see murders, which I think is a little bit of a flaw in this movie. They throw the word metaphysical around yeah. pretty willy nilly. No, I don't think that word means what you think it means, guys. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, but yeah, basically, their job is to float in this gross liquid and see murders before they happen and then through a process that we'll explain in a, in a sec the information is passed on to the cops in the pre-crime division specifically who, John Anderton yeah John Anderton and they work out as much as they can based on the information the pre-cops are given them and they try and stop a murder from happening and basically arrest someone before they actually commit a crime which basically the whole movie is about free will and whether or not like your fate is predetermined yeah there's a lot of that and, and whether or not you should be punished for something you may a fate would... that is predetermined that also didn't actually happen. Mm, which short answer? No. <laughs> was that the answer? I don't no. know what their answer. I was. I don't know what their answer was. I feel like the correct answer though is no. It's... I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we see John Anderton doing what is called scrubbing the information that he's been given. So this is where the touchscreen technology kind of this stuff happens. This is probably the most iconic moment from yeah. the movie. This is the image that popped up in my head for the last. 15 years when someone said Minority Report. Yeah, it's Tom Cruise with these weird gloves that only cover his thumb and first two fingers. They're like obviously haptic gloves and they he can control the screen. It's not it's actually touch screen, it's like I don't know, what do you describe that as? Um, yeah, it's like a holographic projection-y type thing. Yeah, big glass. Oh, like, no, yeah, you're right. They're glass panels. It's more yeah. like, like a projection onto a yeah, glass. Yeah, and then he's manipulating it, not by touching it, but like his, I don't know. It, it'll, it, it makes sense when you watch it, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. You all know what she's talking about. You've all seen it. It's yeah. the Minority Report computer. <laughs> yeah, it's basically touchscreen technology, but in this case, he's not actually touching it. And he's Got some sick sign choreography stuff. Yeah, I enjoyed going backwards and forwards through the movie trying to figure out what they were actually doing with their hands. Yeah. And it looks like someone's actually figured out their little UI system there. Yeah. I like that you could see someone doing a cut and paste because they do the little scissors with their fingers. <laughs> I didn't even see 
that. That's so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. <laughs> Me to cut here. Yeah, very nice. So while he's doing this, basically they've gotten... Actually, we'll explain what the system is. When the precogs see a murder, usually one of the first things that comes through is the victim. And so to stop tampering, they have this system where a wooden ball is in- engraved with the name and the colour of the ball represents whether it's premeditated or if it's... Again, a very, very silly system. It is like... They try so- to explain it or justify it later on and it's just... It's so cool looking, but it's nonsense. Yeah. Like the ball comes in like, you know, all the grain and the shape are different. I'm like, they're, they're wh- yeah. wooden balls. Is it important the number of spirals it goes down in the clear tube on its way out? Because yeah. Because that seems unnecessary. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's also like extreme sci-fi, like preposterousness that Bilbo yeah, was the, trying to avoid but couldn't help it. The psychic murder Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> that's, that's what exactly <laughs> what it's like. So, yeah, the ball comes through with the victim and then eventually comes through with the perpetrator. And because it's a crime of passion, in this one it's they don't get much lead time because obviously mm. you know it's not premeditated it's not being thought about it's just something that happens in the spare of the moment so they're working against the clock so while they're scrubbing this all these images and trying to work out where it is because which is kind of wild to me that they can get so much information but they can't get an address and they also but yeah. they, and you think it's the future surely looking up addresses I feel that is I feel that is one of the ways this movie has failed in its predictions of the future in that like nowadays the cops would be able to figure that out in 10 seconds yeah, in this particular case, they couldn't find, they thought they found the address because they looked up the names, but they'd just moved and yeah. the old address had been knocked oh, okay. down. So they were like, oh, shit. So they had to really. Because Google could have told them any of this stuff. Yeah. Did Google exist in 2001, 2002? Surely. I mean, not, it was... not, not as it is now. No. It wasn't as powerful, but it was a search engine. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, Google, you just type in half of the name of someone and you've got all the information I mean, you the need. Cops. So yeah, that's one that's one little thing that they didn't kind of figure out. But yeah, so they're trying to work out where to go. And meanwhile, a FBI, I think he's FBI uh, agent. Is that Department of Justice? Yeah, he's from, he's higher up. He's some sort of federal level. He's basically there to audit the pre-crime division. So it's only happening in DC. It's been going on for six years. It's been very successful. They've, anything that's been predicted, they've stopped. They've arrested everyone. No murders, I no, think? No murders. Yeah, no murders have happened and since because they've caught them all. So they want to roll it out nationwide. So obviously old mate federal guy has to come in and audit it and make sure it's actually some like work out what the flaws are. Which makes sense. But they're all really pissed off that he's there. And I'm like, oh but you can't just yeah. yeah. And his whole thing is like, of course there's a flaw. Like it's all it's human. Like human error. Enter the coolest, toughest little baby in the world. Oh <laughs> <A> little baby <laughs> baby Colin Farrell. He's like real smart ass he keeps chewing gum the whole time. And uh, there were audible smacking mouth sounds whenever he was in the and I'm like, I love you, but stop doing that. It's disgusting. Made me so uncomfortable. Yes. In the background all the time. Anderson kind of dismisses Danny because he's too busy, uh, you know, doing his job, I guess. Uh, They managed to figure out, like, based on the footage they're seeing, they can work out, oh, there's a park outside this address. It's this style of home. And they managed to narrow it down. They get there. They have this weird, they call it a Pez dispenser, the machine, but it looks to me like like one of those shells. Oh, the spaceship thing? Yeah. Yeah. It was really weird. And they come, the way they come out of it, it's really weird. But yeah, they they fly there, they zoom in, and they managed to stop it. So it's basically um husband finds out he's yeah, also yeah, cheating. let's talk about the nature of this crime. It was brutal. Yeah. It just 
I'm not sure what they were trying to set up, whether they were trying to make this soon-to-be murderer, whether they were trying to make him sympathetic or what, but they've constructed this scenario where this guy gets hyper-cucked into yeah. oblivion <laughs> and then stabs his wife in the chest. And I, it was, like, gratuitous to the yeah. point where he's sitting on the floor crying next to the bed while his wife is having sex with another man, not yeah. realising he's there. <laughs> and then he, like, just as a fucking, he just stands up and goes, oh, I forgot my glasses and they're like and it's almost like they were going to a lot of work to make this guy's behavior justifiable yeah straight off the bat be like oh is this because a lot of people watching that be like would they be wrong but they'd be like well what do you expect like yeah i understand why he wanted to do that so yeah that you're right that kind of is like he was a bit too it feels like the movie's just making a lot of effort to give him a reason yeah but then again i think maybe that's more about later on trying to kind of get across this idea that should he be punished for this thing yeah you know this spur of the moment act that he didn't that someone stopped him from committing and yeah it's a thing and actually when I was looking up the story that this is actually based on that's kind of thing like if people knew what they were going to do if they were told in advance would they do it because mm. they'd be like oh well no I don't want to be a murderer like yeah would he yeah. if he'd known would he have done it he would have exactly yeah. and it's not long after that like in the minutes after that where Tom Cruise does his really stupid rolling the ball example that is about as valid as the word metaphysics in this movie <laughs> It really pissed me off. Sorry. We'll get to why, that later. Why'd you catch it? Because <laughs> uh, it was going to fall, so it's, but it didn't. And you're like, okay, that's... You've just restated the paradox. You have not <laughs> solved anything. You have not made a point. Uh, that's right. The pre-crime, they are determined that their thing is perfect. They can't back it up, but they're like, no, the ball, the ball rolling, you know, that evidence. It, well, there's no argument back at him after no, that. No. Like, what are you supposed to say? It's like, okay, <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, they put a weird headset thing on him, which is called a halo, basically incapacitates anyone that's put on, and that's how they stop. And also this dramatic, this arrest was so dramatic. It was so overly dramatic because that poor woman just had, was nearly murdered by her husband. The five then, guys uh, through the skylight? Yeah, it, it wasn't a skylight. How were they got in? Just through the front door like the rest of them? Because also, they'd already landed. Like, did they go back up in the air to smash through? Also, he'd already tackled the guy. Yeah. Like, he had a pair of scissors. Tom Cruise had it under control and then, like, half a dozen guys smashed through the roof. It was amazing. Justify our wages. And then more coming through the windows at the same time. Uh, they also set up that everything's done by retinal scan in this movie because they actually scan his eye to prove that it's him or who they think it is. And then they put the halo on to to incapacitate him. Yes, some important foreshadowing. Yes. We also get to see something a bit, bit more foreshadowing. The precogs keep seeing, are still seeing the murder. And so Danny is the FBI guy who is still at the head office. He looks down and is like, I thought they prevented the murder. What's going on? It's like, oh, that's like an echo. For particularly bad murders, they'll see echoes for a while. We just delete them. Like, they just you know, see. We, we stop the future from happening. Their brains are struggling to catch up. We just knock them out for a bit and they get over it. Yep. And they have a little sleep in their weird goo. Their photon milk. <laughs> Yuck! <laughs> they have a promo ad for pre-crime. Basically, a little tiny bit of exposition, I guess, to explain what yeah, pre-crime is. Yeah, some kind of um, diegetic when it's within the world of the... Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. like a little diegetic commercial, so straight at us, Let telling it. us how great the pre-crime division is. Yep, you know, people talking about how they were meant to have died, and obviously because they were talking, they didn't die, pre-crime saved their lives. Like, when you put it that way, you're like, I could be dead, but because of pre-crime, I'm not. 
you're like, oh, it's really hard to argue against and that. And also <laughs> when they have these, like, images as well, like a visual going, you know, someone can go, he, he was going to stab me right here. Yeah, right in my chest. You can see, you can still see the crime happen even though it didn't. Yeah, that's wild. I don't and it also, like, it's really great for controlling public opinion when you can yeah. show people evidence of things that didn't ever happen. Yeah, because it's not like... And it's still real evidence. Yeah, you can't fake it because it's... it's thing that, The grain of the yeah. wood. Yeah. You can't fake it. The grain of the wood. <laughs> That's the wooden great. ball proves it. Oh, jeez. We set up that John has a problem with drugs. So in the future, apparently, we don't have normal drugs. We have neuroin, which is like new heroin. Like, real clever, yeah, guys. You really, really mm. scrape the bottom of the barrel for that. Or is it like brain heroin? Like neuro Well, it's spelled like neuro, yeah. Basically, it's like a hallucinogen. So I think it, like, I was trying to work out what it actually does. Because what he ends yeah, up doing, yeah, he buys up this dodgy guy in an alley who has no eyes and when he like it's a weird container thing that you inhale and he's watching a little aspirin puff of it yeah gets you high yeah and he watches it with memories so i he's got the memories like his brain was hacked so they've yeah he's got like i don't know whether they're memories or whether because she his wife mentions a camera there whether they're just like 3d photo kind of videos that he's taken well that's what what i was wondering because later on when they meet the hacker yeah they work out like colin farrell's like oh he's been getting his brain yeah okay so I think some of the memories. I think the, maybe that one with the wife. Yeah, because his the, wife's all like, put the camera down yeah. and bang me. Yeah, maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah, maybe. So I don't know what the drug does. I don't know. Does it make it I was wondering realistic? whether it does it specifically need to be paired with like a movie? Maybe. But then again, it also just kind of looked a lot like heroin. Yeah. I think it's just a really strong hallucinogen. Maybe it just yeah. makes it that watching those yeah. things much more realistic. Uh, so anyway, he does that. So he's a cop who does essentially heroin. He talks to the movie, which I found really off-putting. Like, yeah. He's, and off, like he's like, you've watched it so many times. Couldn't you have said the things at the same yeah, time that you say them but just yeah like he's he's putting himself in the scene and talking to this hologram of his son it's it's really depressing and yeah. sad and not in a touching way yeah uh, it's obviously setting up that something's happened to the son and maybe the wife mm. i don't. think part of that also is that i'm just gonna say it i hate this fucking kid i don't know I why hate all precocious american children i just found that that kid in the in the footage that look at me run daddy i found him so incredibly unlikable and <laughs> no, i just that's instantly not how you hated run, him. I was like, Sean, you yeah jerk. <laughs> You're on like an idiot. Lift your knees up higher. Your dad just told you how to run and you're still running like that, you little I don't know bird. why. I just found that kid incredibly unlikable. No, I get that. I find a lot of children in American movies <laughs> deeply unlikable. So, yeah, we've set up he, John Hannington, has a bad drug problem and is living in the past because something has happened to his wife. So what we've child. got is a divorced cop with a broken family getting wasted and crying at home. So uh, oh, things, I liked, things are exactly the same. I liked the future projections of things like when he ha- was just eating cereal out of the box and the character on the cereal box were moving oh. and like he tried to he said so he brought it down and banged it like that was meant to stop him but it didn't so he just flung it across the room oh that's I, I remember that bit I didn't know what was happening there I thought yeah. he was throwing the cereal box at something like an alarm clock or something in the background no no that was because they wouldn't stop singing oh, in okay. the box like it's, I was singing the ad and then he's that like, makes oh, sense okay yeah. no I get it which is really cute and yeah he's in a very futuristic house that's um, like when he, yeah real divorced dad energy but he, I like how it's set up so when the car they're not hover cars just, I don't know how you would explain the cars. 
Yeah, they're like there's something you'd see. It's all like very a, automated, and but they electronics they are on roads. expo. Yeah, the car pulls up, opens the door, and then the car's still attached, just attached to the house. Like almost like another yeah. little room attached like, to the house. Frankly, what it is is the original drawings of Tesla's Hyperloop. It's, yeah. yeah, it's pretty much what. That's why I thought Elon Musk might have been on their little panel of futurists. Well, apparently Lexus designed all the cars. Well, yeah, they made sure we know. Yeah, <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> Next day, it's a re- reminded again of retinal scans because everyone who walks into the pop headquarters gets their eye scanned. Mm, we see the little scanner. Yep. We meet Lamar, who is the director of pre-crime. Uh, he meets up with John and is quite panicky that old mate Danny from up above is going to shut them down because, you know, very important to him that this yeah, continues. Yeah, this, this thing's his baby. Yeah. So he's like, you know, watch out for him because I don't trust him. John's like, no worries. They're not going to shut us down. Just yeah. super confident. He's It's going to be fine. The confidence is misplaced because, you know, old mate's already brought up. Yeah. Keeps bringing up like all the flaws immediately but but yeah this is where we see Tom Cruise giving Colin Farrell his first proper tour of yes. pre-crime and we learn a little bit more about how it all works and he's yeah, asking a lot of questions like, kind of about the ethics of it and he also insists on going down to see the precogs which cops aren't allowed to go to because mm, going into the temple the temple yes and they actually have a bit of a chat about that and how people kind of almost consider them like gods these yeah and there's because there's only three of them and they're so heavily publicized there has been like this religious, I don't know, kind of um, devotion to them. People yeah. are seeing them as something sent by God or something more than human. Mm. And at the same time, we are told by, is it Wally or Tom Cruise? Creepy Wally science guy yeah. who lives in the pool with yeah. the photon milk. <laughs> yeah. I bet he's the one who invented photon milk. Yeah, probably. Named um, it too. At one point, one of them says, it's better not to think of them as human. As oh, yeah, human. Anderton. Yeah, John says that. It's like, it's better just not to think about them as Because they're talking about how the, they get their nutrients yeah. from... And they keep them sedated or sort of half asleep, not too asleep, not too awake, so that yep. they're constantly in this dreamlike state where they get the best visions. Yeah, so yeah, it's best to think of them as not as human. And that's when Danny's kind of like, they're not human, they're like, they're gods, basically, yeah. kind of thing. Something that's, more. Yeah. A tiny bit of foreshadowing. John brings up, uh, they talk, they do a quote about the, yeah, the metaphysical thing. Yeah, they say like, metaphysics nothing's a few more times and that explains more, it all. Nothing's more damaging to the metaphysics of a human than murder. I'm like, oh, I can think of lots of things that yeah. are probably just as like... Yeah, nothing is more damaging to the metaphysical realm. It's like, yeah. This isn't science. Neil McDonough? Is that his name? Oh, yeah. The, I, I love this guy as an actor, but I think he has one of the most hateable faces in the world. The most punchable face ever, yeah. But he's he's really good, and I always end up liking him in anything I see him in, and I think he's kind of blessed to yeah. be able to play, like, a really good bad guy all the time. He's got that punchable kind of, like, almost perfect face, like, because mm. he's got that blonde hair and the blue eyes and everything, you're like, oh, I don't trust you, but you don't have any reason not to yeah. trust him. When he quotes that, that weird metaphysical thing is like I don't think that's Walt Whitman it's even Danny's kind of like yeah. that's the silliest thing I've ever heard apparently Dr. Iris Heinemann said that who is one of the basically the people who yeah the woman who invented it all yeah or, who discovered precogs and was yeah the main person who helped uh, this whole thing happen with the help of I assume Lamar as well we actually are introduced to the precogs as well when they go down yeah we have this they go down into the temple and they kind of have all that conversation mm. and then we have this really weird moment where Tom Cruise behaves so unprofessional Professionally, well, I can't remember. Um, leaning over and like clicking in her face and oh, trying to yeah. wait. I'm like, you're supposed to be the boss here. You're the responsible one. You didn't want to come down here. This is not how you should be behaving. This no, is yeah, the he's exact- like trying to get her attention. I don't know if it's like upon rewatching. I'm like, I don't know if it's that because she opens her eyes and I think he's like, oh, I don't normally do this, and that's why yeah, he it's thinks she's just, woken up. It seems like the exact opposite way his character would be behaving mm. in there. Like he's the boss and he's super 
straight-laced and in charge. And for him to just suddenly be like, oi, wake click, up. Click, yeah. click, 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 clicking in her face. Strange. I think, yeah, realistically, what he would have, when he saw her wake up, he might have crouched down to be like, to look and see what's, mm. what was going on. But anyway, he does, he does it anyway. Of, it is, I guess, it's his first time in the temple as well. Because yes. they say cops don't go in there. So yeah. I guess maybe he's a little bit overwhelmed, yeah. kid in a candy <laughs> shop, really excited. Yeah, and she ends up waking up and grabbing him and saying, do you see? She kind of makes him go see a previs, previsualization of a woman being drowned and she makes him watch it. Wally freaks the fuck out because he's touching her and it shouldn't. So what happened? What happened? So she grabbed me. Like, Only what? Wally can touch the precogs. Oh, I know. I know like, that all sets it up. I'm like, oh. Just this skinny, lank head. Yeah, real nerdy. Like, I thought he was going to be charming and, like, a fun psychic or something, and then he just kept getting creepier and creepier and creepier <laughs> every time we saw him. Yeah. I mean, if you, that's all you do is just... I'm like, how often is he, how often is he there, too, because... Does he live in there with Yeah, them? does he live in I there? I think he might. I think he lives in the photon because, milk, too. And also, that's another thing I was trying to work out. When they get these things, like, they only show them when it's, like, during business hours, and I'm like... Like, do they hold on to it until... Or is but something? also, like, he's hanging out in there in board shorts and a T-shirt one day, and then the next day he's in, you know, his business shirt and a lab coat. Yeah. Maybe he does live in there. Yeah, so Molly freaks out about uh, John touching Agatha as we're introduced to her. And the other ones are called Arthur and Dash. They're all named after yeah, famous authors. Oh, and is that what it is? Yeah. Crime authors? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I get it now. Yeah, Molly's like, there's no way she could know. She knows you're there. They're not aware of people. And we keep them to medically comatose yeah because we're the heroes wow the ethics of this is truly terrible just don't think of him as human Kara <laughs> oh that's right oh also before actually just before that happens which I thought was a reasonably little bit important about some um, motivations well, this is where we find out basically why um, John was looking at those videos of his wife and son so Danny admits he's, that he's Catholic and that he was in at seminary school before becoming a cop after his father was killed mm-hmm. when he was a teenager and then he actually mentions yeah John's loss of his son and how it was done in such a public place and now I understand why you work here and everything and why you're yeah. so passionate about it because if this existed earlier you your son maybe yeah maybe. so that's where we are confirmed that something horrible has happened to his son yes and it happened somewhere public yeah, so this vision that she showed him has piqued his interest so he actually ends up going to investigate it a little bit further and yeah goes, because it seems completely unrelated to anything we've seen or anything that's going on and she was very like forceful about like mm. for her to be able to jump like if she's that drug then she She's obviously used every ounce of her. Yeah, this is this is important to her. Really. So he goes to investigate. He goes to a place called containment, which is basically prison for anyone who was found to have done pre-crime. I love how they didn't even like just skip the jury and everything. It's just like you did pre-crime into the containment. You go. Yeah, and well, I guess no, because at the beginning when he gets he gets like the judge on the line when he's doing the scrubbing of that first. Oh, is that why that? So I think the the idea is that that that, that's doing the trial. He gets Ah. they get convicted and sentenced before he leaves the room and goes and arrests them. Just do it all early. It's yeah, because they're watching and they go, okay, yeah, this looks like it. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Basically, he goes to containment. We meet Gideon, who is played by Tim Blake Nelson, who is being his absolute weirdest he can possibly be. Just, again, there are a lot of creepy dudes. Basically, every character except Tom Cruise is pretty creepy, like yeah. pretty sleazy yeah. in this movie. You've got weird Wally down in the photon milk. You've got, you've old got mate, Catholic, Danny, chewing gum loudly the whole time. Yeah, you've 
you've got the warden. Is he the warden or the? I guess so. Yeah. Garden. The they gar- had a they had a specific name for him. But yeah, in his wheelchair with his old timey radio redneck voice. And also, he's playing a pipe organ. To like it's yes. it calms the prisoners. And like, no, that does not. Yeah, that's <laughs> deeply upsetting to everyone who has how to listen to it. How us. did he get the pipe organ into the police headquarters? <laughs> It's big. Yeah, it's and he's like cooking his dinner, like cooking eggs and stuff right there. Like, why does everyone live at their work? Maybe it's weird. Maybe it really does soothe them, and like that's part of the system. He had to learn to play pipe organ. <laughs> Maybe for the job. Like that's all. That's all been there since they built it. Yeah, they're like, oh, they're all they're all like restless. We've got to do something, and they went through all these trials. Played a saxophone, played this, mm. and like, no, only pipe organ. No, that, it, it just made sense. They knew from the very beginning <laughs> it'd be a pipe organ. The precogs are like pipe organ. It's a pipe Morgan. So yeah, he's asking about this crime. So we want to see drownings. Apparently, there's not that many drownings, but they find that the data stream. So the data stream of Agatha, because all three have different. Usually, they say the same thing, but might be slight variances. Yeah, but, but when they're getting visions of a crime, they're getting three different feeds of vision from three yeah. different precogs, and then finding the information they need out of all of that. Yes, and hers is missing for this particular murder. It was one of the very first ones when pre-crime started, and Gideon's like, "Oh, that's kind of weird." They also find that the intended victim is also now missing and they also work out that her last address was like a rehab facility so like yeah so so she was a drug addict was gonna get murdered pre-crime stopped the murder and then then she she went missing went missing anyway and so obviously John's like this is an interesting thing why did Agatha tell me about this so he actually goes straight to Lamar to be like hey just gonna let you know about this thing that seems a little bit weird in case you want to hear about it Uh, Lamar kind of dismisses it pretty much straight away on reflection seems a little bit sus (laughs) but he also asks you know how are you going and hints that he knows about mm. John's addiction but kind of doesn't go much into it just kind of accept his response like oh I always run go for a run through yeah. the worst part of town and love to I, go running in that car park that disgusting grimy <laughs> alley full of with my mate eyeless Joe yeah <laughs> And he's like, what if, you know, beds are here. What if you do a drug test? He's like, I'm fine. He's like, okay, that's fine. That sounds like cops for you. Yeah. They haven't changed at all. But I mean, we do eventually find out that, you know, the drug use and stuff is part of why his marriage fell apart. And that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's established that John Anderton and Lamar Burgess are really close. You yes. know, there's kind of a father-son thing going on there. Yes, that's right. Um, While that's happening as well, though, Danny, I, I don't know how this happened he must just have been allowed to got a warrant but he goes to yeah just hanging out in john's house and finds all the drug paraphernalia and is like i gotcha i was confused by that too he just kind of rocks up and lets himself in yeah i guess and then watches one of the memories of the sun yeah like, it was, get it was out of here creepy. and hanging shit on him too he's yeah. like your dad's in big trouble kid like <laughs> Rubbing it into this dead kid that his dad's life has gone to shit yeah. because of his, yeah, because his child was, as we find out, magically pedophiled away. <laughs> that's, that's what it was. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. Yeah, I yeah. he sits down in John's house. He's found the Neuron inhalers and watched all his home videos. And badmouthed him in front of his yeah. dead son's <laughs> video footage. We then go to, there's been a new murder. So it's a brown ball this time, and which means premeditated because a red ball is the crime of passion. I don't know if they don't talk about any other colours. I think it's No, like, I think those are the only two we see. Yeah. Red balls are spur of the moment crimes of passion. So they come with little warning. Brown balls, you know, a couple of days. 
days. Yeah, it can give you a couple of days. Uh, the victim's name is Leo Crow, and right away John's there scrubbing the visuals, trying to work it all out. And as he's doing it, and before that the perpetrator's name actually rolls down, he sees something alarming, and it's his own face holding the gun. Oh my god, it was me all along. <laughs> so before, so when the ball come, drops through, he intercepts it, and like he, he manages to sort of sneakily get rid of the footage off the screen before his co-worker can yeah, see it. He, he sees himself pulling the trigger, freaks out, someone turns around and says, hey, what was that? Oh, actually, in that moment, I do remember, you see, for a split second, you see one of those judges who's like logged in as a witness. Yeah. And she's going, John, I don't quite understand what I'm seeing He's here. Like, and he just off. hangs <laughs> Absolutely Goodbye. cuts her off. So he sends off his teammate to go... Go get him some cake. For the just, birthday party. <laughs> it's so random and so out of place in the middle. Like, they're getting the murder alarms going off. Yeah, He's they're like, like, go get some cake. Like, We've got some time on this one. Why snatches this wooden ball out of your hand and says, hey, 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 let's go get me some cake. No, mate's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to get some cake for me too. I love cake. Great idea. So he gets a ball and can't do much, but Wally has well, seen... Yeah, Wally's seen the, the video. And Wally was like, I really like you. You're quite nice to me. I'm going to give you two minutes before I sound the alarm, which he does. As he's trying to escape, like he's trying to calmly kind of get out there before the alarm goes off, he runs into Danny in the lift. And Danny, who has just seen all the drug paraphernalia around his house, has a go at him. But straight off the bat, John thinks that it's a bit of setup. So yeah, this is classic Steven Spielberg farce. Mm. Little misunderstanding comedy of errors in the lift there. Yeah, because he's like, you're in big trouble, John. And then John pulls a gun at him and Danny's kind of like... That was an overreaction. That's an overreaction, <laughs> but I'm still smug as fuck in your yeah. face. And he thinks it's because because he holds up the paraphernalia and then John's like, oh, no, we're talking about something different. Yeah. And I like... Danny's talking about the drugs. John thinks he's talking about the murder he's going to do. Yeah. And I like the bit where he's like, well, it hasn't been a red ball drop, so, you know, I know you're not going to kill me kind of thing and then all of a sudden the alarms go off and Danny's like oh no I'm not so smug now oh shit <laughs> he managed to escape uh, on the way he gets into his car and zooms off he calls Lamar to let him know what's happened because you know he trusts Lamar mm-hmm. very very much uh, Lamar's kind of like John come back I'll keep you safe we'll work this out and he's like no I can't do that like it's yeah, I, yeah they he, always run they yeah. always run just I, keep saying it he keeps saying that yeah, every, everybody runs and I'm like what did they ever say, say it before no it was like everybody runs and then he says it like 300 more times did, did the, the hyper cuck at the start try to run no no didn't get a chance but well, I guess they always do like you that's what I mean it's like I haven't seen anyone try to run yet no <laughs> and he keeps saying it keeps saying it or ever everybody runs so because the car's all automated when it's yeah basically the car to... puts him under arrest yeah it's like no back to the office <laughs> you go and that's turning around and this is the first I feel like this is a pretty big goof they left in the movie too big for Scoob and Spielberg but he kicks the window out of his car yeah and I'm like what a very feeble, easily feeble window I know Tom Cruise is strong but Jesus and then the way cars go like some of the roads are vertical yeah and so it drops down vertical and he climbs out. So he climbs out the car and then when it goes vertical, he's hanging off the window, hanging off. But then he gets on top of the car where the window he kicked out was and is standing on it. Oh, okay. I and I'm like, that. hang on a minute. There was glass <laughs> there. There was like, he kicked the glass out. Now there's glass there. So that was it. Mm. And then we are treated to some awesome kind of Super Mario style car platforming. Yeah, you're jumping across. They do the that, they, that straight side on 2D of him yeah. like running and jumping between cars. Like, yeah, that was really fun. Looked like Pitfall. <laughs> so good. Then he leaps off and crashes into a balcony, which seems like a shit place to live. But like, there's just balconies right there next to the yeah. road, and he comes across, crashes into a. Like, well, a no yoga... one lived there. It was a yoga studio. It was a yoga studio. <laughs> Apparently, Spielberg got all these con- contortionists. contortionists. In... I was gonna say because that's not yoga. No, they were all like do- doing contortion, and like one of them's like all twisted in like a pretzel, and she's like, "Oh my god, are you okay?" And he's, yeah. he's kind of like, "I wrote Boy? down that lady. Did you notice that lady had like geisha makeup on? Yeah, she had like really cakey white, and then like the tiny little yeah. tiny little like, cartoon lips in the middle. Okay, just 
This is what we think we're going to be guess, like in the future. Yeah, I guess it's not a yoga class. It's a contortionism. Class. Like they're contortionists. They're getting ready yeah. for a circus show or something. Yeah, I guess so. But they described it as a yoga. Anyway, <laughs> that's just a fun little fact. How Simmons is like, no, this yoga class in the future, yoga is so intense, people yeah. start contorting into Next different shapes. Next level. <laughs> so Lamar tells Fletcher, who is old mate Neil, creepy face, yeah, Neil McDonough, face, yep, to so he's like the second underneath old John, blue eyes, yeah, old blue eyes himself to go find him. Danny's like, no, I'm here, basically taking control of this and he's yeah. like no he's my subordinate I'm looking after it he's like you can tag along which he does Danny also has a go at Lamar for helping John and also that you know he's addicted yeah. to these drugs and you're you're okay with it and he's like he lost his son he's like yeah six years ago I'm like okay mate get like, over it mate get over it deal Just with your it dead son we're also around this bit we're also treated to like the first half of the movie's worth of product placement they just seem to catch up on a bit yeah, there's that so one scene where he's walking down a corridor and just ads being targeted at him and at us at the same Time. And saying uh, this is the thing I was trying to work, screening his name. Everyone's hearing it, but they say your name. I'm like, I know this movie is talking about like delving to things like privacy and all that sort of stuff. But I'm like, I feel like that's a tiny bit far fetched. Yeah. I think that's absolutely another one of those predictions they got wrong. Where they I were think, like, one day the billboard will yell your name out to yeah, get your attention. I think what they got right was that super targeted advertising. Yeah. Oh, the billboard definitely knows who you are now. Yeah. It just doesn't scream your name as doesn't you walk need past. To. Yeah, but I guess maybe without that name bit, it wouldn't that wouldn't translate so well. Like, it's, yeah. it's so targeted. I guess that's... And also, like, it, it actually needs to... What they need to do is, in the real world, because that does happen now, in the real world, he'd walk past some billboard that's got a camera built in for some reason, and a little facial recognition thing would go off, and someone somewhere would get an email telling them that John Anderton was walking down that street. Mm. For the sake of a movie, we need that to happen really quickly and visually. Yeah. So why not just have the billboard scream, John Anderton, John Anderton, John, John Anderton. Anderton. You need new clothes, kind of thing. Yeah, so he goes through yeah. and all the billboards are yelling and everything. He gets scanned. His eyes get scanned on the subway so free crime know where he is, mm-hmm. which that's yep. happening in China, right? Like, that's, Pop, Yeah, he pops yeah. up straight away and he's got to know that's going to happen too. Yeah, he's, he's got he's a plan. Not a, he's not a fool, but he's, yeah, and there's also not much you can do, like, until you... What, just wearing sunglasses? Or is sung, are sunglasses illegal? Well, they've got those spiders and stuff. I think the idea is that if you don't let the machine scan your eye, it's as bad as, you know, the alarm's going to go off anyway. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, he's on the train. That's where we see the community newspaper changing and we see the Camerons on the on the train Indeed. hanging out behind. Um, so the newspaper changes like at the front cover. So that's what I mean. Why have a normal newspaper if everything can change anyway? Because it changed. You front could just put changes. each of those little boxes on the newspaper page on just, the one Kindle screen yeah. one after the other. Guess, uh, which is what uh, fascinates me about technology is that it moves so fast that we just can't. That that probably would not have been a possibility in the realm of possibility back then but now it's just you know, 15 years later it's all we have. Kind of wild. He gets intercepted at the subway by the pre-crime team really quickly because they know he's going to stop at either one or two one of two stations. And then we get to meet their special tool that the pre-crime team have, jetpacks. The jetpacks. <laughs> I was so excited because I saw them walk in and had the little handles and I was like, cool, this is the jetpack stuff. I've seen flashes of jetpacks. I know there's jetpacks in this movie. Pretty keen to see how it plays out. Ten seconds later, I spat my coffee out everywhere and pissed myself laughing when I realised that the jetpacks had tiny little sirens and flashing lights. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. That's so cute. They've got little flashing <laughs> lights on the side of the jetpacks. And as the, like, you don't hear it so much when McDonough comes in on his own, Fletcher lands yep. on his own. But then when the rest of them come in, they're all going like, woo, 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 wo
I didn't know so I'm going to rewatch it. That's really cute. I did. So this is what thing apparently Spielberg was like, this is the one thing I, that I don't think is going to happen in the future, but it's like a callback to old sci-fi yeah. where everyone is You've got to have something cool. Yeah. And something, yeah, a little bit silly, but really fun. And yeah. Something we all deep down really would really like to try, even though we know it would all Yeah, you've got to have a hoverboard or a jetpack or a laser gun. Yeah, You've got exactly. to have at least one thing that's... Far-fetched, but well, really fun. fiction, for it to be science fiction. You exactly, yeah. base it in as much reality as you want, but at some point you need to go beyond that to make it fun. Exactly. Because reality sucks. <laughs> it sure does. Uh, so there's a big, the big escape scene. It's really fun. It's The only thing I noticed about it is it was... Oh, maybe this is a Spielberg thing, but like when he's climbing up the fire escape and everything, it was all like clearly a mechanical where it falls down. Yeah. And, the, and everything. And that like, was... It looked like, like a movie world Yeah, movie world. That's all I can think about. When he's hanging off the ladder yeah. and it moves really, really stiffly. But it's really fun. Like he... When he's kind of surrounded by all the people in the jetpacks, he just jumps off the... Yeah, he starts he starts riding the jetpack cops. Yeah, he like jumps place. down at one and like rides him and like controls it and they're blasting along. Like, I do have a bit of a problem with that. I'm watching that. I'm seeing like these jets coming off and they make a point of like having comedic moments where the jets set the burgers on fire on a barbecue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they crash And he flies units. up that plastic tube and it says, by this point, Tom Cruise should not have any legs. He's been no. like, the waist down is hanging in directly in the afterburner of this jet engine. Yeah, it's like he should have been singed at the very least. Like yeah. his pants should have been burnt off, which would have been great for me. But no, alas, that's not what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, they smash through all these apartments. It's one of those things where one person trying to get away causes all this fucking harm to everyone around them. Yeah, and wondering how many people actually got seriously injured. Seriously injured and like how much money, because they all had like fairly crummy apartments. And mm. oh. We don't see the child who was around that dinner table, you know, lying in the corner with a piece of wood sticking out of his forehead yeah. as the cops fly <laughs> away on their jetpacks yelling, Sky police! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And the poor kid playing his saxophone, his whole wall gets smashed in by them. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It, it's so good. It's so much fun. Like it's proper it is. It's great. It's a great <laughs> sequence. It really is fun. It immediately is backed up by another incredible scene. So as he's, he gets away from them, then he's immediately runs into Danny and a bunch of yeah. they look like hide goons. That sequence is over. He exits that sequence out of a door <laughs> into an alley where he begins the next action sequence. <laughs> yeah, it's so, and it's so good. So it's, it's a assembly plant for all these flash modern cars. I've got that written down here because, uh, again, this is one of those things that just made me laugh. It was like this abandoned warehouse that had a sports car factory inside it. Completely unmanned too. Yeah, but like you look around, all the windows were smashed and like, yeah. like it was this derelict sports car warehouse. <laughs> so it was... And even at the end, like you see a sports car come off the production line just into a loading dock at the roller door at the end of this shitbox yeah. warehouse and drive out. Like, like I'm like, did everyone run away when all the fighting started happening? But I didn't see anyone. Like, I, think it's meant, I think it's meant to be like an automated factory or whatever. Does that car just drive off? I guess, and to go a car to park the, somewhere. And go, either goes to a car park, goes to the, straight to but the dealership. But we see them going into this warehouse. It's It's got no doors. Yeah. It's not secure. Yeah. And we just, know yeah. pre-crime only detects crime that is murder. Mm. So they, No, there's not enough damage to the metaphysical realm when you steal a car. Oh, jeez. But um, it's a really, it is a very cool scene where Colin Farrell is involved in this and they get up like, oh, there's these weird gun things that you wind and then it's like a big force of energy that just blows you oh, back. No, this, I think, gets to one of what I think is one of the underlying kind of themes of the movie is that like you can try to do fascism, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because what we're seeing here is pretty much the the perfect version of the cops. Yeah. And it's still a cab mm. because what we're seeing here is cops that are entirely non-lethal. Yeah. 
always. We they see them, the, we've got they've got the, the six sticks, sticks that yeah. make you spew, and they've got their like air bubble shotguns that yeah. knock you down. Like we have a completely non-lethal law enforcement system, but in exchange for that, you have to be sentenced to life in the fridge with your halo on yeah. for things you haven't actually done. Yeah, it's like a massive compromise there. Yeah, right? and it, it going, you know, you can talk all about how this movie talks about predetermination and stuff, but it also makes a point a lot of the time, like multiple occasions, it explicitly states and doesn't contradict itself. Like the system is perfect. Yeah. It's the people who are the problem. Yeah, that's so, right. So um, I don't know. I'm an anarchist, so I kind of agree in that sense. I go, mm. oh, I believe in systems and everything. I just think you can't trust individuals to run them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's weird because this movie is very, is it pro-cop? I don't know because none of the cops are particularly like. But all our cops are good guys. Even Danny. He's not really a cop, is he? He's in, he was homicide. He's an ex-cop at best. Oh yeah, yeah, he is. But yeah. even, because even he starts to put the things together and go, no, this is too, you know, he's, we'll get to that later. Yeah. I just think we don't see any bad cops. No, but I don't. <sighs> but yeah, we see this thing where we can have the perfect version of cops. Yeah. And, and it's it still, still pretty fucked. It still fucking sucks, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I think that's an unintentional thing. It's like, yeah, human error, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's basically saying that. Yeah, cop- I don't think I don't think it was intentional. I think it's that's a thing that has grown into as mm. the world has changed. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah, big fight. Like, they go up on a moving platform thing and they have a big fist fight like Colin Farrell. There's some cool robots with lasers in the background. Yep. And they have a nice little fist fight. It's all very over the top. It's all, like, it's all why work because I watched the behind the scenes. But it looks very much like wire work. Like you can yeah. see them, like how their legs, like even when they're on the fire escape, the way, uh, no, I think it's in, in the car plant where he jumps up on someone's neck and then just jumps up on something. And yeah, like, and then there's like no there's, a lot of, way. there's a lot of grabbing one handed onto kind of a robot arm as it swings over you and getting launched across the room. Yeah, like being able to launch <laughs> themselves really, really hard from mm. positions where they shouldn't be able to. Yeah, your classic conveyor belt fight that yeah. we've kind of seen forever. Yeah. I, I, I kept going back to Star Wars um, Attack of the Clones where it's like C-3PO and R2 or oh yeah yeah, yeah all the yeah, Geonosian like stuff it's, 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 it's such a cliche yeah. but you know Spielberg loves those yeah and that's a really fun it's thing. a fun one too and seeing two handsome boys fighting each other I'm like no stop fighting over me please <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly Tom Cruise dies yeah but like, he gets killed by a chair <laughs> the, the, on the conveyor belt that's what they want us to think oh yeah yeah <laughs> he's, they think he's being crushed to death inside he gets he's inside one of the shells of the cars and then all the bits go in and you think he's crushed to death and they all run to see the end of the production line like let's see that squished corpse yeah in let's that car. watch all the blood drip out of the bottom of this car <laughs> and then John just sits up and is like see you later fuckheads and just zooms <laughs> out of there <laughs> Yeah, that was that was another one of those Spielbergy moments that was just a little bit sillier than I expected this movie to be, and a little bit more lighthearted, and yep. took me out. But I also appreciated a lot. Yeah, it was really fun, and I was surprised silly. he didn't like pull a face or something. I was yeah. waiting for him to give him the finger as he yeah. drove off. <laughs> His face was like conveying, "I'm giving you the finger." Yeah. Uh, right now. Cam, I've just noticed how long we've been uh, yeah. chatting right now and oh, we're maybe halfway-ish through the film. So getting there. Uh, after <laughs> those very fun, dramatic chase and escape scenes where John has managed to elude pre-crime and Danny, we will leave it there for a minute and we'll continue with it next week. So in that case, we'll wrap it up there. Can no I worries. ask Cam where we can find you online? You can find me at number three on Twitter. That's at N-O underscore three. I don't tweet much, tend to work around 
around, but every now and again you'll see something cool I've made. Nice. Uh, as per usual, you can find me on Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Review without the S on Twitter, or my website, TomCruiseReviews.com. And in the meantime, if you haven't watched Minority Report, I highly recommend uh, watching it. I can't believe you've listened to half of this podcast now and not gone and watched the movie, but no worries. Go watch it and then listen to the second half. It'll be a good time. Uh, in the meantime, we'll catch you then. Bye. Bye.